0: Welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy Rewatch podcast.
1: I'm Cara Babcock, pronouns she, her.
0: And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her.
1: Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
0: This is a spoiler-free podcast.
1: Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too.
0: During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy,
1: discuss the show's cultural impact,
0: and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Now, on to the episode. Season seven, episode five, selfless. This episode was good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really liked it. Um, I assume that you like it, Kara.
1: Yeah, don't make assumptions, Snap. You never know. Sorry. I disagree with you. <laughs> I don't know how I feel. I don't know if I'd say I liked it. I thought it was intense.
0: So intense that we needed to bring on a third voice to help us talk about it. Uh, we have a special guest. Visiting us today, please
2: introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I am Rikia, also known as Ricky Z, or uh, as Kara has mentioned before, Ricky Z. I am, <laughs> <laughs> which I completely love. Um, I'm a fellow podcaster and podcast
1: manager. That's right. You're on a Canadian podcast now, Ricky.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I fully accept this. (laughs) That's what it's all about. (laughs) Uh, We met uh, Ricky on a different podcast. I already forget the name. I'm embarrassed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Back to the flat. blockbuster (laughs) back
0: to blockbuster uh ricky so kindly reminded me right before we started recording and that's just where my brain is these days uh but yeah that we met you literally i think like two years ago like around Mm -hmm. i think we were in season one or two of our podcast all all three of us were guests on that and that's where we got to know you but then you've been following along as we Mm -hmm. recap and yeah you're a social media friend
1: (laughs) yeah chiming in with some hot steaks and yeah, we just I think we all really vibed when we podcasted together. And so here we are, season seven. We wanna bring on some more guests as we recap this last season of Buffy. Um and so we're thrilled for you to be the first guest of season seven.
2: Yay! I feel so lucky. It's it was it's so crazy because of the episode that we were on, it was the was it the twenty-fifth or twentieth anniversary? Twenty. It must be the twenty fifth, yeah. The twenty-fifth anniversary of Buffy, and it was so crazy to kind of like I've noticed you on TikTok and then I meet you guys on that podcast and I'm like wait a minute I know you guys <laughs> I've seen you guys before <laughs> I know you this second. is so exciting
0: yeah, yeah yeah and because you have your own podcast we're like let's get her on she's got a Yay. mic she knows what's going on <laughs> mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. all right well what did you think of the episode <laughs> it was number one I felt in this in this particular season in general it's kind of gory and Eye-opening, because we didn't get a lot of Anya-centric <laughs> things before. I liked it for that reason. I liked that it was
0: Anya-centric. Uh, this actually explains a lot, because Kara, last episode, she wasn't in it. And we were like, where's Anya at? Well, <laughs> she was practicing her dance number, her, her singing and recording. And she had a big episode coming up this week, so it makes sense yeah. that they were like, take a break. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, this episode is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot packed into it. And I, I have much like last week's Steph, but in different ways and hopefully less gross. I have questions.
0: <laughs> it's it's very fool for love, right? Because we get this backstory of a villain and we do love a good villain backstory, of course. Right.
1: We get Callie Rocha this time as Halfreck, not Cecily. Oh, flashback. yes.
0: Yes, yes. And I loved all the callbacks that this episode did to like I mean we're in season 7. They better be calling back to what came before. Uh, mm. But there's so many little nods to older episodes. There's Becoming Part Two, Something Blue, Triangle, Once More with Feeling, Hell's Bells. Like, you got to be a big Buffy fan to appreciate this episode to the degree that you could, you know, because there's so much to, to pick around with. But yeah, so this is all about Emma Caulfield. It's her time to shine. It's Anya's moment to. It well makes or breaks her, right? We'll find out by the end of the episode. Did anyone have an alternative name for this episode?
1: I want to call it Exit Interview because of what mm. happens with Anya and uh, mm. DeHoffren at the end of the episode. I love
0: it. I love how Ooh. corporatey that is. Yes, yes, I love it. Um, I would call it Fuck Around and Find Out <laughs> because absolutely,
2: <laughs> we sure do this episode. Uh, Ricky, did you have one? You know, I thought long and hard It was really hard to come up with them but like i'm gonna quote uh the hoffron and go for the pain
1: oh mm. yeah i like
2: that Ooh, <laughs> a quote from within the episode so let's get into it at the summer's
0: residence dawn is helping willow get ready for her first day back at uc sunnydale and she's it appears that they're helping her unpack as well like she's officially moving into buffy's old room Dawn is giving Will advice. She says, Do exactly what everyone else does all the time. Do what everyone else does. Wear what everyone else wears. Say what everyone else says. People may say something to you you don't understand. Don't be afraid to keep your mouth shut and pretend like you know what you're, they're saying. They may say something like, My protein window closes in an hour. Just nod and smile.
2: Turns out it has something to do with fitness. Doesn't that remind you like of like Elsa from Frozen? Conceal. Don't, don't feel, feel. Don't let don't it show. Let
0: I love that Dawn is
1: giving Willow college advice.
0: Yes. And like Dawn is like the epitome of cool. (laughs) like she's where willow is in high school like it's not like she has good advice and this is bad advice obviously like do what everyone else does and just shut up (laughs) but but um i what i thought was interesting was this little nod to like protein window like the obviously diet culture that's going on at this Mm -hmm. point in 2002 i think we're in Is not interesting right like that must have been something that was happening at the time like you know like fitness fads come in and out of style right you have like Tybo around this time probably as well right. so
2: does anyone remember I just, like i don't necessarily remember like well yes diet culture but like being an adolescent in like the early 2000s was hard awful <laughs> for a girl's Worst. body image <laughs> so yeah that makes sense i guess
0: <laughs> yeah buffy and zander walk in they're carrying boxes and some furniture and they're talking about anya and zander th- is thinking that he should call her, and Buffy doesn't want him to get his hopes up. And Xander says, there's no hopes. Anya and I are done. I love being single. I'm strong, successful man who's giddy at the thought of all the women I will no doubt be dating in the near future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Buffy says, strong, successful males say giddy. And Xander says, I just worry about her. That's all. She seems so sad.
1: Yeah. Two things. <laughs> First of all, shut up, Xander. <laughs> Secondly... Oh my God, Buffy's hair. Did you see Buffy's <gasps> hair?
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Did she make a deal with a lower being? Because how is her hair <laughs> this good this season?
0: God, her hair looks immaculate. And then <laughs> Willow's hair looks really nice this episode as well. And Dawn's hair is curly. Like these girls really do themselves up for unpacking, for, for moving their friend, you know? Like, And I love it for them. Girls are looking great. Dawn suggests that... Anya try acting like everyone else more, <laughs> and I was like, "Don, Anya's been trying that for three years, and
1: it oh, never worked." Have you tried masking?
0: <laughs> oh gosh, yes. <laughs> so Willow says, "Apparently, it's what all the kids are doing nowadays." And Buffy says, "I'm not sure. I got I got the sad vibe. There's definitely a vengeance vibe. I'm worrying about." And Sandra says, uh, "That? No, I wouldn't worry about that. She was hurt, and she was turned. She turned back to what she knew when I, you know." But that's not her anymore. And Buffy says, "I hope you're right." And Xander says, "Plus, she's turned that worm guy back before any real damage. Right? It'll just take
2: some time. I really think she's coming around." Um, excuse um, me, Xander. She's um, very much a vengeance demon at this very moment.
1: Xander, Ronnie destroyed much of Sunnydale's sidewalk architecture infrastructure.
2: Uh, Nancy's
0: dog is dead. Yes, Xander. He's dead.
1: That apartment building is fucked up.
0: Did Ronnie live? (laughs) Like, did we? Now that you're mentioning Ronnie,
1: I feel like he did. I mean, the Sunnydale Hospital doctors are a little too chatty sometimes, and they think you're on drugs. Mm. But I think they can stitch up a a piercing wound through the shoulder.
0: I don't. I don't know, Car. Do you remember last season in Villains? We saw the surgery room (laughs) for Sunnydale (laughs) Hospital, and it was not looking good.
1: Just walked in.
0: And like Buffy and Willow was like, leave. They're like, oh, good. We don't know what we're doing. We're doing anyway. They will just leave. Anyway, we're, we're getting off track. Shut up, Xander. Uh, <laughs> cut to a dozen dead Mitches with holes in their chests piled up in a frat house somewhere. And they're like laid out over the furniture and floors. Oh, my God. It's chaos. Anya is sitting on the ground covered in their blood. And she's saying, what have I done? Cut to credits. So... What I wanna point out in this scene, first of all, is like this is the last time we see Dawn this episode. She just disappears hmm. after this. Yeah. I, maybe maybe the rest of the episode happens while she's at school. I don't, it must because Xander's supposed to be at work and he
2: what pieces time out. Is it, yeah. so?
0: what t- time is it? <laughs> what day is it? But the other thing I wanted to point out here was Buffy because if we notice, Buffy is sharing her concern about Anya, right? She's like, "I there's definitely a vengeance vibe going on here. She's not sad, she's avenging." And uh something that you and I brought up earlier this season, Kara was, "Why isn't Buffy concerned about Anya and her doing her vengeance in Sunnydale?" Because she is very clearly. Right. And she, or they've already confronted her back in beneath you. So you and I are just like, what's going on with that Buffy? But clearly it's been on the back of her mind and she's gently letting it out now to her friend and because for some reason she panders to his emotions and she's just like, e- yeah, like the, Mm, like you could tell she's on the verge of being like, it's time for me to step in. When, like, when is the time?
1: Well, that's the whole question of this episode. Congrats, Steph.
0: <laughs> we can just go home now. I've already summarized oh, what oh, uh, Buffy's oh. problem is here.
1: I really like uh, the little cliffhanger of this teaser, right? I think the reveal cutting to the dead Mitches and Anya, uh, she's clearly like so shaken up. And conflicted I love it mm-hmm.
0: and she's like low-key covered in their blood like she's obviously she's not drenched in it but the blood is on her and she's obviously in shock so ooh. Mm-hmm. we're in someone else pronounced this
1: <laughs> I was
0: like Storn Jost <laughs> um 880 uh I'm assuming BC <laughs> <laughs> ac
1: a- ac <laughs> a- D- C? Yeah,
0: exactly uh, it's old we know this because the camera's all grainy now they put a filter on it it's so like, again,
1: this is my question is we've never seen this before in any flashback and it's inconsistent throughout this episode
0: i think it's because we've never gone this old <laughs> like, like we've gone old, we've gone angel and and even like Spike. Like we've gone back in time. But we've yet, or we, or have we? I don't, I don't think we have yet to go back this early. Unless we count Sanea. But Sanea kind of came to us. Like we didn't go to her time. Do you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, I, yeah, that's about that sounds about right. I guess like the earliest would be Sanea. And then I guess there's there's some particular effect that they're wanting to convey with showing us Anya's like early days in this in this type of like filter, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I, I
0: honestly think it's because we've it's just eight hundred and eighty. <laughs> like I didn't even know. I was like BC, AC, DC. What is where are we? Uh how embarrassing as I'm my minors in history. Anyway, we're in some sort of I said wooden cabin. Is there a name for an old house? <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: it's a house. <laughs> it's a, okay, <laughs> Anya is human. She's caring for rabbits. Olaf the troll is here, but he's not a troll yet. He's he's her husband. And uh, I don't know if I brought this up in the troll episode, which I call it the troll episode. What was his actual name Triangle? That it's Randy from ER. So anyone who watches that show, that's that's Randy. Uh, they speak in Old Norse, and we need our Swedish friends to come and tell us if they're actually speaking legit. Yeah, that's
1: what I was wondering. Is is this right? Actual, an actual language or Nordic some some kind of Nordic language or did they just make it up
0: right it, it sounds pretty authentic to me <laughs> having no understanding of any of it Olaf says sweet beautiful odd and again they're speaking in Old Norse I am hungry I could eat a small child so he already kind of acts like a troll before
1: he was I a think troll. that's the point yes. that's
0: the joke yeah so <laughs> so um I'll add here so he calls her odd. That was her name before she became Anyanka, before she came Anya. And odd, I, I'm like, that's a play on the word odd, is it not? Mm-hmm. Like, to make her sound, um, because, because it's fitting that way. Anya says, Olaf, are you injured? You smell of blood and musk. And Olaf said he was taking on a band of trolls. They're wretched creatures indeed. The mere thought of them makes me bend at the knee and flex. <laughs> so Anya sits down to tend to him. He says he'd like some mead. Anya hangs up his battle axe. And Olaf is talking about... Um, all the rabbits that are in the house today and Anya says that they breed quickly and Olive is like, oh, this talk
1: of breeding makes me want to breed. He says all this talk of breeding. She mentions it (laughs) one time, (laughs) dude. Calm down.
0: Um, I'll also add that this scene and the scene after this with the troll like it's so fucking funny I just really enjoy the dialogue it's good (laughs) she says honey of course but first drink your mead and um she she starts saying how she wants to give the excess rabbits out to the townspeople exchanging them not for goods and services but for goodwill and the sense of accomplishment that stems from selflessly giving of yourself to others Whoa! Olaf laughs at this and says sweet odd your logic is insane and happenstance like (laughs) that of a troll it is no wonder the bar major talk of you
1: insane troll logic
0: it's <laughs> insane troll logic
1: remember it was xander who coined that term <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um I really love this little line because all obviously before everything back in 880 Anya was a very generous person and Olaf thinks that she's being silly for being so generous with her wealth as in her rabbits whereas nowadays right back shoot back to 2001 Xander thought that she was being silly for being greedy Right. She's a capitalist now. And everybody's like, you can't be this way. Well, she wasn't always this way. Apparently just goes to
1: show women, you know, no matter what we do, it's never good enough for men.
2: We're never going to win. We're never going to win. Do we ever figure out like the the switch from her like having all the bunnies to being definitely afraid of bunnies? No, that's something
0: that they didn't reveal this episode. I was expecting it. I was like, when are they going to show that switch? Maybe it's like just her fear of her old life, her old self. Maybe. Mm, Yeah,
1: that's what I was thinking. It's like (laughs) Anya has clearly worked over the last thousand years or so to distance herself from being odd, right? She's Mm -hmm. completely changed her worldview, her politics. And yeah, she's uh, manifested entirely new fears, phobias, right? right? You know in effort, sorry, I I gotta push up my glasses here. Mm -hmm. Yes, Anya, she has manifested the fears of her ego uh, by transforming the rabbits into uh, an exterior manifestation of her Mm -hmm. eid.
0: I concur, I concur, (laughs) Doctor. (laughs) Indubitably. Yes. So, we close up we close up on Anya's face and it gets really intense for a second. She's like, "You've been to the bar?" And Olaf says, "It's not my fault they don't take kindly to you. You speak your mind and are annoying. It's on the it's one of the things I love the most about you." <laughs> As if he's not doing the exact same thing. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> and Anya asks if Renveg was there. He's like, "I told you a thousand times. I he, I have no interest in Renveg. Her hips are large and load-bearing like a Baltic woman. Your hips are narrow like a Baltic woman from a slightly more arid region. You are my perfect odd. I would never want for another. So she hugs him and she's like, I simply just love you so much. I feel as though I could burst at times. I could not live without you. And Olaf laughs and says, fear not, sweet odd. You will always be my beautiful girl.
1: So I think what this exchange is meant to kind of poke fun at in a very hilarious way is how narrow most people's worlds would be, you know, at this point in history. Most people growing up in Olaf or Odd's situation in a village like this, they wouldn't be very well-traveled, right? You would travel, maybe, like, unless your job was to be a trader going to far-flung places, like, you would travel, what, maybe the five miles to Sunnydale campus. I don't know, like, a lot of people just grow up in that village or the region around it. They don't have a sense of the wider world of geography, of history. There's not much education, right? So Olaf is struggling for metaphors and similes to use to compare uh, Anya's beauty to because he just doesn't know better. He's like, Baltic women, yes, that's all I know. (laughs) Um, And and even, even odd, right? Like her saying, I love you so much. I feel as though as I could burst at times. I could not live without you this is all she knows right she married olaf she accepted this oafish boorish man as her husband because that's what she was raised to do and she was told this is the best you could possibly expect olaf he's a catch um because her idea of you know what it is to be a woman what it is to be successful in that society was so constrained by her time and and by her society and I think that this scene, as funny as it is and as silly as it is, it actually does a really good job of encapsulating all that.
0: Yeah, it also does a really good job of encapsulating Anya's personality and wants and needs at the moment because clearly she has no friends. She's obviously the odd, like, you know, pun intended, odd one out right. in this little village that she's in. And as Kara said, right, her her horizons, there are none, <laughs> right? <laughs> she's very limited to what she can do do and how she can live so of course she's chained herself happily to this man who has accepted her right he says you're my sweet odd i'll never leave you like of course she's like you're my whole life because you're the only person that accepts me it appears right Mm -hmm. so we cut to anya aggressively washing the blood off of her hands in the while she looks at herself in the mirror she's clearly still very disturbed by what happened
1: little lady macbeth reference there.
0: Oh, really? Ooh. I was thinking, I mean, that I had musicals on my mind. So, in Chicago, that's what Katherine Zeta-Jones did as well.
2: <laughs> so I like that's what I was thinking.
1: Now we're in the basement with Spike, and he's talking very calmly, and Buffy's there.
0: <laughs> what?
1: Yeah. He's saying, "I don't trust what I see anymore. It's like I've been seeing things." Drew used to see things, you know? She'd always be staring up at the sky, watching cherubs burn or the heavens bleed or some nonsense. I used to stare at her and think she'd gone completely sack of hammers. But she'd see the sky when we were inside and it'd make her so happy. She'd see showers and she'd see stars. Now I see her.
0: So could we just pause here for one second? Because we rarely hear Spike talk about still anymore. Mm-hmm. And this soft little monologue that he gives here just reminded me how dedicated Spike was to Drus- Drusilla for a very long time. And I know we're supposed to believe, like, in his mind, like, he loves Buffy. And we, we always put in quotations, love, because, like, who knows? But I-, I do think his version of love or whatever, I think he actually showed it for Drusilla a lot more than he has for Buffy or for Harmony um, or any of these other couplings that he's been in. I just this this just like it was like a
2: a jolt to my mind. I was like, oh yeah, yeah.
0: like you know, like when we met him, he was just head over heels
2: and devoted. He very yeah, very doting towards Drusilla. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't really see that much with him anymore after that.
0: Yeah, so it's a, that softness to him saying this and talking about her in such a Fond way. It just reminded me that he had a soft side. He's never shown it for anyone else except for Drusilla.
1: Yeah, those are good points. Uh, so Spike tells Buffy that he's in trouble. And Buffy says, I can help you. He says, I-, I could never ask. Not after. And Buffy says, It's different. You're different. Spike repeats, I could never ask. Buffy says, Spike, it's me. It's you and it's me. And we'll get through this. Spike says, Never. And it's very me- melodramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Buffy reaches out to touch his head and she softly says, we'll get through this.
0: <laughs> okay. At first, I was so confused. I'm like, did I skip it?
2: <laughs> why is, where's, the, where's this tender hearted moment coming from? <laughs> yeah,
0: it came out of nowhere, but it's supposed to because obviously in a second, the real Buffy obviously walks in and she's a lot different in tone <laughs> as she should be. But yeah, literally, I was so confused. And I was like, why is this so sweet? What's going on? Cause we don't we don't know who this entity is yet. We've we've guessed back in lessons. Um we gave our reasons why we think it's what we think it is. But um I was like, this is very sweet. Why are people shipping Spuffy? They should be shipping Spike and this entity. <laughs> <laughs> Spentity. Spentity. <laughs> new ship here we go all aboard we
1: i love quite a new ships in this show it's great
0: yeah and they're mostly spike ships if you notice spadum Spoys, <laughs> spentity mm-hmm. there's
1: Matt. i mean spike does have all of that chemistry right and i let's, I let's face it spike is one of the sluttiest characters on this show
0: <laughs> he he if not the sluttiest um also it's just, it's just the fact that like, this is such a soft and tender moment that I was like, whoa, like this is actually quite sweet. And then it turns out it's in his mind or it's he's going insane or whatever going on. But I'm like, this is, is this what people are like shipping? Is th- <laughs> these kind of scenes? They're not even with Buffy. They're
1: with Spentity. So Spentity. yes, the camera pulls back to reveal that this Buffy all in white is not the real Buffy. And instead, the real Buffy uh, comes in dressed all in black to contrast, and uh, she, she's like marching in with a purpose.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> and Buffy says, the real Buffy says, Spike, this basement is killing you. This is the hell mouth. There is something bad down here, possibly everything bad. And Spike starts laughing and he says, can't hear you, can't hear you. And Buffy says, you have a soul? Fine. Show me and Spike screams Montressor all you like pet and Buffy says get up and get out of this basement and Spike says I don't have anywhere else to go
0: He says that so sadly and I was like Spike just go k- kick Clem out <laughs> like
2: how hard could it <laughs> right, be Right if you have your own den
1: <laughs> roommates with Clem come on
0: Come on right there's so many things and also like do I want to ask Is that true? Does Spike have nowhere to go? We've said a couple times in the past that, you know, this, like, he's in a, he's a nomad because he's chipped and he's now fought against evil for a couple years. Like, he really is kind of on the outskirts of good and evil. But I'm like, there's surely somewhere else he could go. Like, go to Angel. He'll help you with your soul, you know,
1: if you ask nicely. (laughs) What I want to know, and I brought this up in previous episodes, why is this Buffy's problem?
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's like the, 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 the Buffy and Spike theme of this season so far has been, why is that Buffy's issue? Like Buffy's literally like stopping over here before she starts her day at 10 a.m. It's like 9.30. She just stopped in to be like, get out,
2: <laughs> get, go, get like, get your get shit your together and go. <laughs> Seriously, like, what are you doing here? And
0: he's just like, I don't have where to go. Ever
1: since Spike showed up in School Hard, he always shows up in Sunnydale and he's like a bad penny we just can't get rid of him he he <laughs> leaves sometimes and then he just keeps coming back <laughs> and i i just i don't know why buffy thinks that she has a responsibility at the moment you know if, if you think that spike isn't a threat to people so you're not going to kill him fine you have no responsibility to rehabilitate him buffy right <sighs> so
2: do you, do you think she feels any guilt for and like, and like why but like you think she feels like any kind of responsibility or guilt because he has a soul and supposedly it's due to her or for her i mean i do i i i brought that up in beneath you i was like
0: here's the thing buffy that's just who she is she takes responsibility for things the very fact that spike told her like i got it for you so you know we could be together or whatever like i think she feels like oh god like now he's my responsibility. Like, oh, I kind of did and this also, too. Also, like, she didn't
2: ask you to do that, though. Like, no one asked you to do that, <laughs>
0: right? And well, she was already feeling guilty about using him back in season six, and we were just like, "Don't feel guilty about that. Use him, <laughs> 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 use him, lose him." Um, but she is a kind-hearted cherub of a person, and we've known this since season one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do think she feels guilty. I do feel like she, as I so sadly thought she would, is taking him as her responsibility. And that's why she's like going into the basement and she's like, are you done? Like either, either come out and help and be normal again. Or, or like, what, like, what are you doing here? You know, poor Buffy. So at UC Sunnydale, Willow is asking her favorite professor for help. And I love to see it. Uh, the professor is saying that she notices she was dropped off. She had dropped off in her grades last midterm, but then voila, she turned it around and aced all her finals like magic. <laughs> and Willow's <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> So the, the professor's like, come see me during office hours tomorrow, and we'll talk about what we need to do to get caught up. And I was like, oh, my God, Kara, look at this. A helpful, competent teacher in Sunnydale.
1: Well, it's because she's black, right? <laughs> like, she's a black woman. Like, I'll take that. <laughs> not only are women, and especially racialized women, expected to do more emotional labor and help their students, right, mm-hmm. uh, in academia. And if they don't, they get poor evaluations but of course she's on top of her shit and actually gives a shit about her students because she's not checked out like some you know White man who's just there because he got told he has to teach one block semester to keep qualifying for funding.
0: You're yeah. sucking energy out of everyone <laughs> in this room. Oh, that actually was a precursor to suck jobs later on. <laughs> he was that professor was actually a <laughs> original something. suck
1: job. Yeah. So, so I, does that mean Buffy is the first person on this show to do a suck, suck job, or
0: n- well, no, no because Angel
1: with the bisexual Angel,
0: Angel. No, the master suck job Buffy.
1: You're right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or technically, Darla in episode one suck job the yeah, one but, guy, and yeah, but that's yeah, just but normal is, vampire. Just,
1: yeah, it's just draining somebody as a vampire a suck job, or does it have to be like more than that?
0: I mean, we don't have time to. Well, we'll dedicate a whole bonus episode called Suck Jobs <laughs> on trial. Yeah, Suck Jobs <laughs> on trial, <laughs> we'll really break it down because uh, everyone's going to want to hear that for sure. So, anyway, yay, this teacher. Willow then notices Anya coming out of the fraternity house, holding tightly to the coat that she has tried to cover her bloody clothes with. And Willow is, like, so excited. She's like, I'm starting up a school again. She's just really excited. Willow um,
1: geeking out about school is very pure. and It's very old school, Willow. Yes. For it.
0: I love it. So, so not only mm-hmm. earlier did I love seeing Willow ask for help, because in same time, same place, you and I were saying, Cara, like, it's so nice that they listened to Dawn at the end of that episode that they are going to start asking for help or offering help more to each other. So the fact that Willow is asking help from her teacher, I liked that. And here she is, old school season one, two, three, Willow, even season four, Willow, who's all about school, so excited to be back in that environment, somewhere where she knows she thrives without magic, right? She's always thrived in this environment. Mm-hmm. Anya has been glancing at the frat house as Willow is talking, and Willow notices this, and she's like, oh, I, why are you leaving the frat house in the middle of the day? And Anya says, I have a new boyfriend now. He lives here. We just had lots and lots of sex. And Will's like, okay, that's so great. I'm so happy to see you've moved on. And she falters because Anya has brushed her hair behind her ear and Willow sees the blood that's still on her wrist. And Anya's like, we're tremendously happy together. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm late for something important. And she leaves. So Willow says, see you later. And Willow goes to walk into the frat house and investigate. But um, I wanted to say, it is so weird to see Anya, who, we don't know her age. We assume that she's the same age as the Scoobies, right? But really, Emma Caulfield, like, looks to be in her 30s. There was a time, I think yeah. in season four, car we were like, she looks so much older than everybody else. It was her haircut at the time, but she just looks older. So the fact that she's dating a frat guy in this, like it's a made up thing. But I'm like, I don't believe it. <laughs> Cause you look so here's, much older. Here's the
1: thing though. If the blood hadn't given her away, she would have gotten away with this lie. Yeah. Because it's very Anya. And the way she said it was very convincing for Anya. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I'm just saying, for me, the blood wasn't enough. I would be like, you <laughs> dating a frat guy someone 10 years you're younger uh so willow goes into the frat house and immediately notices, notices the blood smeared on the floor the furniture in the doorway uh she looks in the other room and it's a horror show and poor willow has found more dead bodies on the show than anyone should you know? like i'm shot back to prophecy girl when she found that cl- that rec room full of bodies <laughs> And she was traumatized by that. So this clearly doesn't traumatize her because she's flayed a man alive. But um, I'm saying she just keeps f- stumbling upon bodies. Uh, she hears crying. She falls sound to the closet where a girl is whimpering. She's saying, I take it back. I take it back. And Car, you already pointed out that earlier the professor was a black woman. I'm pointing out here that this girl is Asian. And I was like, look at that. Two minority characters in under two minutes. What's going on? So, Willow says, what do you take back? What happened? And the girl says... There's going to be a party, everyone's going to be there, everyone's bringing a date. I'll have a great time, but it was just me and them. He broke up with me in front of them. I was a game, it was all a game. They laughed and they laughed and I cried and they laughed and I yelled just once I wish you could all feel what it was like to get your heart heart ripped out. Just once I wish. And then it came. And Willow's like, "What came? What did this?" And she says, "Spider." And Willow's like, "Where did it go?" And the girl's like, "What do you mean?" And as she says that, Willow is Looking down at the girl but we see the shot behind her and they're so
1: creepy like if, if you have arachnophobia this is not a good episode yeah. for you
0: yeah scary. and scary you shouldn't watch the movie eight-legged freaks <laughs> oh, <laughs> so no. the spider is claw- crawling up the wall it's huge i mean it's not as big as like aragog or um Shelob from lord of the rings but it's pretty big and it pounces on willow but she uses her magic with a K to create a force field around her and the girl is crying again and Willow looks at her and her eyes are dark again and she says for God's sake shut your whimpering mouth and it's like whoa <laughs> and then she
2: forces the spider to fly out the window and then she like she's back to normal and she's like sorry <laughs> so oops my bad in her defense it's hard to concentrate when someone's crying in the background
0: (laughs) yeah in her defense and like she did keep it together right she didn't go full-on dark willow she just she channeled some darker magic or more powerful magic to hold off that spider that's the side effect sometimes she's still getting used to it yeah
1: Mm -hmm. like it's so interesting how clearly as willow said in a previous episode all of these magics with a k is still inside of her and she she brought the k out this time unlike in the last episode right when i when i was saying you know she she didn't bring out the k just yet um so the magics with the k <laughs> are coming out and she was able to do it very instinctively right she whirled around reacted and it was kind of her first thing and i'm curious to see if like how much of this season will be willow struggling with figuring out how much control do i have over this power when do i need to bring it out because it's appropriate to exercise this power and when do i need to keep a tighter grip on it and i don't know
2: let's go
0: to old timey village again this is the f- fucking hilarious scene <laughs> actually this scene is a core memory for me we keep saying car that you and i like have a lot of memories of season 7 like this season i didn't watch until like the last four episodes i didn't watch live um but i did catch up on season seven before the whole thing ended right because i watched i wanted to watch the finale so um yeah i really remember the scene because i was like this is funny is buffy funny you know what i mean (laughs) because i (laughs) think i've been watching angel but not a lot of buffy at that time so village people are running from a troll in the village. And it's the biggest one they've ever seen, one woman yells. And <laughs> there's one guy's like, run, hide your babies and your beadwork. <laughs>
1: The two most important things. <laughs>
0: right. it's so funny. So Olaf is like, stop, it's Olaf. And another villager's like, the troll is doing an Olaf impression. <laughs> Let's hit him with fruits and various meats. And doing stuff. He's like, no, I'm Olaf, I'm Olaf. And they chase him out of the village. And Anya is watching from the side quietly. And suddenly, Dehoffrin is next to her. And he says, impressive. And we notice now that they're speaking English, right? No more... Old Norse, they're speaking English and they don't explain well, why. Well, and the film
1: grain is gone, yeah. right? Yeah. So that was what I noticed was the transition from flashback with a film grain effect and subtitles in this non-English language now transitions to when they're speaking English, it's now like an ordinary flashback and there's no visual effect and we can hear everything in English. So I think it's intentional in the sense that the film grain parts of the flashback are almost like Anya embellishing her memories, right? It's like, this is the version of her memories that she's told herself. And then the non-film grain in English parts of the flashback are the, the viewer getting the omniscient narrator's view of history and what actually happened in the past. Does that make sense?
2: Ooh, I like that take. Do you have a different one, Ricky? I'm thinking like whether that's like when... Things became more real for for Anya, where it's, um, mm. she's starting to feel like she belongs in something. You're gonna uh, you about to talk about what the Hofren like offers her, so like it's starting to become more real. She's becoming a little bit more realized, as opposed to Olaf's woman who's stuck at home with all the bunnies and with not adding friends. Ooh, I love that we all have different takes on this. So the way I see it is
0: that it's the supernatural element of de Hoffren coming into the picture. And mm-hmm. de Hoffren, because he's this whole scene, he speaks the same way he speaks when we see him later, right? He Apparently he's timeless. And I think that's the kind of vibe I was getting when he's in the picture. Anya sort of becomes timeless too, because she's about to live for another thousand years. Right. So it's almost like, yeah, like the, the old timiness goes away. It doesn't matter anymore because she's no longer of the earth in that way. So. Uh, He asks, like, is that a Woodlow transmographic? Transmographic. Transmographic spell. (laughs) And Anya says, Thornton's hope. And he says, how'd you get the troll element? And she says, Ailsbane. And he says, brilliant. What did he do? Anya says, bar matron. A load-bearing bar matron. So (laughs) Dahopran asks if there's any other kind. Is there any other kind? (laughs) So he introduces himself. She says, I am odd. He says, are you? I'm afraid you don't see your true self. You are Anyanka. I'm a patron of a family of sorts. We're vengeance demons. I'm sure you've heard of us. And Anya's like, no, like, but don't feel bad about that. She doesn't talk to people much. I talk to them and they don't talk to me except to say that your questions are irksome. Perhaps you should take your furs and literal interpretations to the other side of the river. And the troll, <laughs> the troll, we <laughs> like, um a shot of Olaf the troll and he's now chasing villagers <laughs> and he's like tiny man you are small and toy like so Dofren is saying i get the sense that your talents are not fully appreciated here on Yonka we'd like you to join us and she says why do you call me that he says onyanka is who you are and she says what would i have to do and he says you do what you do best help Wronged women punish evil men. And she says, vengeance. And he says, only to those who deserve it. She says, they all deserve it. He says, that's where I was going with that, yeah. (laughs) So this is de Hoffren's pitch, and I really like it. Like, I think it's, it's well done. Anya is telling him she doesn't belong. Everyone's like, pack up your fur and get to the other side of the river, you weirdo. And he's offering her family, right? He says, I'm a patron of family. He doesn't say I'm the leader of the vengeance demons. He he puts it to her like that. He compliments her. He sympathizes with her. He gives her a name, right? Everyone calls her odd. And we're saying odd like A-U-D. But as we said earlier, it's like, it's like almost like a joke. Like you're an odd person. And he's like, that's not you. You don't know who you are. You're on Yonka. So he gives her a name. He gives her a purpose. He gives her a call to join.
1: He's clearly delivered this pitch before. Mm -hmm. I'm very surprised he didn't say smells like
0: strawberries. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Same same vibe. Yeah,
1: all these men, all these men out here trying to take advantage of women and being very slick about it. Yeah, you know,
0: this actually reminds me a lot of the mayor. The mayor and Faith. Very similar thing, like... Uh, you belong with me and my people we can take care of you you don't belong
2: anywhere else we see you we see who you are and that you yeah, definitely more mayor because it's while the mayor was sort of cheesy which i appreciated there's something about the Hoffman that's almost i guess sassy in a way that is endearing to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's also chill, right? The way he's like, yeah, so that's where I was going with that. <laughs>
1: right. Well, he, he seems, you know, and Steph, you, you mentioned this word before with my alternate title, corporate, right. Mm-hmm. He runs the vengeance demons like a business. Anya mentioned uh, previously when her teleportation powers were temporarily suspended or limited. She's like, I have to file a flight plan. Right. Like he, De Hoffmann seems a little bit more in touch with things in the mortal world. I feel like he would have been a good d- guy for Moloch to chat with. Praise Moloch. <laughs> Praise. Him. Uh, when he was downloaded into the internet, right? De Hoffren should have shown up and be like, "So this is how the modern world works, Moloch."
0: Moloch is like, "Why do you do the whole pitch when you just have to get them to say?" Yeah, Moloch was
1: just basically like, "I love you," and yeah. people were like,
0: "Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love you. I want to give you like, I want like, I just feel like Hoffren's a lot more wordy <laughs> than well, Moloch. Moloch was simpler."
1: So, like, to the point that both of you were making about the mayor, you know, de Hoffren, similarly, he's another dark side version of found family or chosen family, right? And that is, in one essence, what this show is about. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a show about chosen family, right? Giles is Buffy's chosen dad. Uh, the Scoobies are Buffy's chosen family. They're friends who become her family. We saw that in a previous episode where Xander's name He's listed as family in the contacts, right, on that notepad. There are very positive things about chosen family. I think probably the strongest episode to demonstrate that is the episode family (laughs) with Tara. But there can be a darker side to chosen family, especially when that chosen family or that found family turns out to be toxic or abusive. And you fall in with them because you are desperate, because you are running away from a life that wasn't right for you or was actively harming you sometimes the people you end up calling your family turn out to also be harmful and that's what we're seeing in this entire episode when it comes to de Hoffren and the vengeance demons
0: yeah and we see this pretty often again like we've seen cults on the show many cults um even when remer and anne when uh chanterelle falls in with a cult pretty easily her and her boyfriend well
1: and we visited investigating angel and talked to them about a whole episode where Harmony joins a cult, so people can go and check that out. Every
0: character on the show is lonely and <laughs> subjective to add to joining cults.
1: It was the early two thousand What do you want from us? It is.
0: Join a cult, I'm asking you. And like, we're not talking about our cult, which is oh. obviously Moloch's cult.
1: Steph, if people did want to join a cult and represent a cult by, you know, perhaps wearing something that says Praise Moloch on it, how would they do that?
0: Well, they would go to prophecygirlsca store and they would find so many Praise Moloch merchandise that they could wear to, to show that they're part of the community, that we're all family here right? We accept each other. We give each other new names if we want.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sacrifices are limited. It, right, You can get a phone case. You could get a travel mug. You could get stickers that say Praise Moloch or, or magnets. I've
0: got stickers um, and a tote bag.
1: Absolutely. So prophecygirls.ca slash store. Join our cult.
0: Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> I, I, we have a hot stick about to Hoffren later on uh, from Lauren that I can't wait to get to. But uh, another thing about De Hoffren, which is interesting. Kara, so you and I were so on Hoffrin's side like oh, yeah. back in season four. And this was because we didn't know much about him yet, but he sold us. We were like, yeah, what yeah. a boss. Like what, what a corporate CEO. <laughs> what a feminist. Yeah, we were like, He's what a feminist so man. so charismatic. He's very charismatic. Girl power. But we've already just said that we're susceptible to cults. <laughs> So he would have gotten me.
1: He's a good example of a woke misogynist, right? He's the kind of guy who's going to... He is literally the kind of guy who's going to... He probably has a DEI department for the Vengeance Demons, right? Like, he's the kind of guy who's going to hire the DEI representative. And, you know, everybody's going to go to classes. And there's going to be book clubs and stuff. And it's going to sound all progressive. But secretly, you know, it's the opposite.
0: Yeah. And that's a fascinating thing about his character that he even duped us. Also... So, you know, we get a lot of people talking about Anya, right? Um, Throughout the last three years, we've gotten numerous messages, like so many of people saying that Anya is neurodivergent uh, to them, that they see themselves in Anya in the way that she masks, in the way that she doesn't quite fit in to your normal social standard of of the way people act right this scene I think is the first time that I really really saw it like I I obviously understood what people were saying but I always looked at Anya as an ex-demon trying to be human like I saw it more literal than I did looking into the undertones and layers of that Uh, but in this scene it's very clear that it's not that Anya was just a demon acclimatizing to human life she was this way before she was a demon right she was ostracized and she was different and people noticed it and shunned her for it and said you're annoying you talk too much you ask you ask irksome questions i finally was like okay so here's an actual like proof to me um that that's the case if before i wasn't reading into the layers buffy is balancing a cup of pencils on her forehead at work (laughs) And this would have been a great time for Principal Wood to step in, but he was not in this episode. I'm devastated. De Nabbit! right? Like okay, I guess. Do
1: you, do you, Steph do you still want to have a moment? Like I you're kind of do
0: like I think that if Principal Wood was there today, he'd be wearing ooh, like a tight gray suit. Um, maybe the first, <laughs> t- maybe it's hot today. It's like a, a October. so he like has a little button undone at the top. We see a little bit at the top of his chest. He makes a witty remark.
2: Mm. (laughs) Mm.
0: thank you
1: you're welcome
0: all right um and we do we we have a little chat about angel later too so i I feel fulfilled this episode so buffy's phone rings she drops the thing of pencils right it's willow willow's giving her information about the spider so she's writing down all this information and this is so funny she's like okay yeah yeah i'll bring xander Uh uh-huh what what ripped out the heart
2: my god hey did you get that physics class you wanted (laughs) I love a supportive friend. <laughs>
1: I think it just goes to show that this is so much of Buffy's every day, right? <laughs> I bet she's just relieved. It's not on the construction site this time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she's like, this is much better going into the forest. Right. <laughs> so we're at Anya's apartment. Halfrek is gushing over the massacre of the frat boys. And she's like, there's talk of having a ceremony. Like, I can't tell you how many times today that I've heard on back to her old self again. So again, like this corporate nature of De Hoffren's <laughs> vengeance, Demon corp. Uh, it's so funny because that's exactly what would happen if someone did a really big sale. They might have some sort of like, oh, we got you a little award. We got you a little like thing well, to congratulate you. And the
1: fact that Anya's only friend is also her coworker is a huge red flag, right? Like there's nothing wrong with being friends with your colleagues, even being close friends. But you should also have other friends who don't work at your job.
2: Yes. <laughs> Does being a Avengers demon give you like MLM vibes at all? <laughs>
1: a bit well i I don't know if they're actively recruiting other vengeance demons it feels like De hofren keeps a tight leash on that part of the the game Mm -hmm. but i i agree with the idea of culty and maybe like not so much mlm but more like insurance salesman kind of things where it's like oh yeah like you got to push it right like you got to push that vengeance because remember the girl who made the wish that allowed anya to massacre all the mitches She's like, I take it back, I take it back, right? Did she really understand what she was consenting to? No, but Anya gave her a really good pitch because she took to Hoffren's, you know, vengeance seminar.
0: There's also clearly a ranking system within the vengeance demons, right? So there's obviously a competition happening. Like Halfrek is not as good at vengeance as Anya was right? And she says that many times. She's also
1: not the boss's favorite, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't think Vengeance Corp is a meritocracy. It sounds like de Hoffren is, it's kind of a feudal thing where, you know, he picks and chooses which vengeance demons he's going to treat as his pets and elevate. And Halfric, was Halfric ever really Anya's friend? Or was she just spending time close to Anya in the hopes that it will endear her more to Hoffren.
0: Mm, I don't like this Helfrich slander, Kara. Not in this episode. (laughs) Helfrich is for sure competitive as any corporate woman is. I think she does mean it when she looks up to Anya in a lot of ways, but she also sees her as like, oh, there's somebody I have to beat, but she never has. And I I do believe in Helfrich's friendship with Anya because that's what makes the ending of this episode hurt a little bit more.
2: Yes, I'll I'll go with that because it, it changes things for me if I think of it that way.
0: <laughs> don't do this to us, Kara. <laughs> yeah, I do think she's a good friend. Otherwise, like, what's the point? Like, why would she be here talking to her and help hyping her up right so much? I don't, she wouldn't have to. Halfrick is asking Anya what's wrong because she's obviously disturbed. Anya says that there is just so much screaming, so much blood. I've forgotten how much damage a crimslaw law demon could do. And Halfrick's like, "Oh, tell me about it. They can be feisty little guys and impossible to house train once they start nesting. Forget it. Oh." Are you okay? Like, did something happen? And Anya says, I guess I'm just a little rusty. I didn't think it would hit me like this. And Halfrex says, This is perfectly normal. It's a reflex. You'll get over it in no time. Trust me. And Anya's like, Hallie, thank goodness you're here. With everything that's going on, I had trouble even remembering. And suddenly, Willow walks in and she's like, Get out. And Anya stands up. Halfrex is like, Lemon drop. If you think that I'm. And Willow says, Get out. So Halfrex stands up. Anya's like, It's okay. Halford's like, okay, well, if you need anything, just holler. And then she phases away with her little, like, ee, with a little, like, hand gesture. Willow says, Anya, you have to stop this. And Anya says, Do you know what they did to her? Do you? It was a game. They were humiliating her. And Willow says, Anya, listen to me. You're in trouble. You know it. I'm here to help. Anya says, You're here to help. Well, that's great, Willow. Flayed anybody lately, have you? How quickly they forget. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> point to Anya. Like, we've been saying, willow xander you get special privilege okay like willow should have gone to jail <laughs> rat rat <laughs> rehab is where she should have went it is the pot calling the kettle black
2: because yep. willow you too have murdered people also can like i start using like that condescending name of lemon drop now i'm gonna add that <laughs> to my vocabulary just going around say lemon drop this that's i love that from Halfrek. do it <laughs> Halfrek is always right
1: i also just love how authoritative willow is in this moment she's come so far from mousy willow of seasons one and two right remember in season three mm-hmm. when she struggled to impersonate her vampire doppelganger and now here we are Season seven, and she has no problem storming into an apartment containing two vengeance demons and telling one of them to GTFO. Love it.
0: Yes. Willow says, I haven't forgotten for one second. Anya says, What do you want? They got what they deserved. I'm a vengeance demon. Do you understand that? And Willow's like, No. Anya's like, Try. They got what they deserved. And I was like, mm, Anya, you're trying very, very hard to convince yourself of that right now. I can see how Willow would be her best shot. At getting somebody to sympathize with her. Do you know what I mean? The fact that she's like, do you understand? Like, can you understand what I did? Even though she's not having it, because,
2: you know, now that it's not her, she's like, no, no, that's wrong. <laughs> and you should be punished for it. Which is funny, because they've, they've never really had a, a solid relationship <laughs> through this, this
1: entire time. They've had an antagonistic relationship, if anything.
2: Yes. Yeah,
0: the trust isn't there.
1: Xander and Buffy are walking through the forest uh, with weapons. Presumably it's the, the forest between the UC Sunnydale campus and the rest of Sunnydale because that's, you know, they were on campus. That's where the monster you was. You have
0: five miles of forest to look through.
1: <laughs> uh, so Xander's saying, oh, they're doing vent work at the site, which is why he, as manager, feels like it's okay to skip. <laughs> Steph I don't think I've asked you this question before <laughs> is this a realistic timeline for Zadger to become manager of a project as large as like no. building Sunnyvale
2: no
0: <laughs> and also just that aside you're the manager you absolutely need to be there to oversee the vent work
1: <laughs> yeah
0: if something happens it's on you <laughs>
1: Yeah, is he, is he just like, hey, Todd, you're in charge? Like,
0: but like for less pay. Like, come on. Like, yeah, you have superintendents and stuff. You have people. Ugh.
1: So they're chatting about Willow, and Steph says they actually sound like real life friends at this point.
0: <laughs> okay, but because they're talking about, like, you know, oh, does she sign up for classes? Oh, we just, you know, the way Willow gets around school. It just sounded real. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it, it, it is like a cute people. moment. You know? I think
1: it's meant to contrast what's coming later in the episode yeah
0: yeah yeah but it's like so it's normal for friends to talk about oh what's your friend oh like this person's doing this today you know what i mean like it's a it seemed like a very small conversation for a show like this
1: well and isn't that often the case when you are doing work alongside somebody that you're friends with you just kind of chat, small and chat. Gossip yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah very wholesome so they find a dead body with its heart ripped out <laughs> ah. and buffy says ah <laughs> this is our guy <laughs> I mean I hope so Buffy because otherwise you now have two problems. <laughs>
0: She's like, Do you think this was a spider or something
1: else? <laughs> uh Xander says, or a coffee cat spider demon. Ha ha ha.
0: I like that joke. That was funny. I was also like, you guys, it could also be the gentleman again.
1: <laughs> could be a lot of things. Uh so they find some sticky black stuff and Buffy says, Ooh, maybe that's its webbing. And Xander says, uh, this isn't springy, high-flying fun. And as he says that, they hear twigs snapping from above. So they look up and Buffy says, there's definitely something moving up there. So we have our monster moving in three dimensions and I'm having flashbacks to the space demon from season five.
0: Oh, I remember. <laughs> I was thinking of that too, actually. What was, what was the name of that episode? Listening to Fear.
1: Uh, then Xander gets hit with some black webbing. Buffy pushes him out of the way and the spider jumps on her. She manages to hold it away. <laughs> And Steph's notes say, its penis mouth tries to take a bite of her face. <laughs> uh, Am I right? I'm not marrying this one, Steph. <laughs> I'm not marrying this one. I'm not dating this Who one. kill
0: but... fuck married Carl? <laughs> penis mouth, penis head, <laughs> slug off demon penis.
1: Is that its mouth? Is that an ovipositor? I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Buffy throws the demon off. It jumps back into the trees. She's now bleeding from her back and her shoulder. Uh, She looks up as Xander runs over and says, we need more swords. (laughs) I say, we go home, pick up more swords, and some sort of spider demon protection amulet come back. And (laughs) as he's laying out this plan, Buffy throws her axe upwards, and it hits the spider, and it falls to the ground, dead. And Xander says, or... (laughs) (laughs)
0: Okay, this was so good. This is my favorite joke of the entire episode because that is exactly a couple seasons ago. That's exactly what they would have done. They would have went back to the house, regrouped, got some sort of spell or whatever, and then came back. But like, Buffy's like, no, this is quick work. (laughs) Like, like, this (laughs) this is
1: clean work. And is that not part of the theme of this season, Steph, right? Every single monster of the week that we have faced so far this season has been a non-issue for Buffy, right? She, you know, got rid of Gnarl real easily. She dealt with the the weird, privileged white boy death cult mm-hmm. in uh, Sunnydale High. Yep. Super easy. The slug slugout no demon. Like,
0: well, yeah, Spike <laughs> definitely took care of it.
1: Buffy's at the top of her game in this season. She is the slayer. and And I don't think she's ever been as confident in her power as she is right now. Her challenges this season so far have been entirely interpersonal challenges Hmm. how do i adjust to willow being back how do i adjust to my new position of authority at sunnydale high how do i deal with the weird vampire guy living (laughs) in my my sister's high school's basement how do i
0: (laughs) clean spike's diaper (laughs) multiple (laughs) times a day there's there's, just so much uh that is so true and we said this at the beginning of the season like it's so nice to see buffy confident to see her stable especially after last season right to see her Mm -hmm. have her shit together and Uh, Taking the time now to share that knowledge, to share that power with others, and then in this case, to to basically shut up, Xander, I got this, and she just kills it right away. You know, like that's awesome. I love this for her. I, I just, I love watching her this season.
2: Yeah, I, I I appreciate. Like, remember in season six of the adulting is hard and shitty. In season six, and then now you kind of see her kind of get her footing in adulting, taking care of her younger sister and having a big girl job and it's nice to see that and nice to see her be like confidence in her slaying at this point. Mm-hmm. And when it all boils down to her killing a giant spider with one hit, <laughs> it's like yeah <laughs> it's
0: really nice.
1: So we cut to uh, the, the summer's residence. They're coming back in. Buffy is wondering where the monster came from and Willow is sitting in the living room. She's waiting for them and she says I know where it came from Uh, And then there's another little cut. So clearly Willow has talked to them and Buffy and Xander are sitting opposite Willow and Buffy asks how many, as in how many Mitches? And Willow says 10, 12. And Xander is getting pissed off.
0: Because of course. (laughs) He says, when were
1: you planning on telling us? Because it's Willow's fault, right? And Willow says, I'm telling you now. And Xander says, great, thank you. (laughs) Willow, it's Anya. How could you let us... How could you not have told us? And Buffy's like, Xander. And Xander says, how could you not tell me? Because it's all about him. And Buffy says, Xander, it's okay. She didn't tell us for a reason. She didn't tell us because she knows what I have to do. I have to kill Anya.
0: Dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. So we're about to get into it, right? We got one one scene and then we're going to get real into this. But like... Just what we pointed out here, Xander making it all about himself at first, because when Xander gets pissed and uncomfortable, he lashes out. So he decides to lash out at Willow for not telling him, Xander, you left work and you don't have a cell phone.
2: How is she supposed to reach you to tell you this information? <laughs> you weren't where you're were supposed to be. Also, can we like deal with like one issue at a time? So like, yes, Anya, but also... Giant spider ripping out people's hearts. Can, can we take care of that first? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no,
0: no, no. <laughs> we ought we to help Xander with his issues first. Uh, yeah. That really annoyed me. Just just when he's like, you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me. It's like, she found out like an hour ago. <laughs> she came home and waited. She could have been at school, but she's waiting at home for you to tell you. So let's let's take a break because we're about to get into it. Saint... <laughs> (laughs) Petersburg, 1905, the first Russian revolution for anyone who knows their history. We pan over a fancy table with dead bodies draped all over it and around it. And the fancy room that they're in has dead bodies in it as well. And Anya and Helfrich are dining at the end of the table. They're dressed to the nines. These women look great, right? They're in their Russian aristocratic looks. There are bombs and buildings on fire on the streets behind them. Uh, We can see that through the window. And Halfreck says, I'm in awe of you. And Anya says, I grant wishes. It's all inside the girl. I just bring it out. And Halfreck says, I'm sure this is what she had in mind. And Anya says, I don't know about her mind, but it was in her heart. Besides, Russia was ready to explode. All we did was just give it a little push.
1: So the scene is implying that Anya is at least partially responsible for triggering the first Russian revolution. That's
0: badass. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting because we also saw in Fool for Love Spike taking advantage of the Boxer Rebellion. So I like this consistency. I like the idea that, Demons love the idea of chaos. They love being involved as much as they can because Maybe, they get away oh, with a started lot. Started that one too. Well, I mean, yeah, it would it would have been a couple of years before this anyway. So I just I like that consistency. I like that it's like if there's a, a rebellion, <laughs> if there's a revolution happening, it's very possible that one of the Scoobies <laughs> started it somewhere. <laughs> so. Halfrek asks what they should do for the rest of the night, right? At least she hears gonna they're gonna raise the winter mansion. And Anya says, I want to go to a brothel, like the, to do more vengeance, basically. And Halfreck says, It's always work, work, work with you. And a man is on fire, literally on fire. He runs by. They don't pay him any attention. <laughs> Halfric says, darling, take a look around. There's so there's a lot to see. There's a revolution going on outside that you are somewhat responsible for. Aren't you the teeniest bit interested? And Anya says, What is there to be interested in? The worker will overthrow absolutism and lead the proletariat to a victorious communist revolution that will result in a socio-economic paradise on <laughs> Earth. It's common sense really. I have better things to worry about. <laughs>
1: Okay, go off.
0: <laughs> it's like, that's what she was planning the whole time. And then again, it's so funny that when we, when she becomes a human and has to like work for an actual like wage, she becomes a <laughs> capitalist. like <laughs> Oh my gosh. So so Halfreck points out that there's a whole world out there, and Anya says, full of wronged women who need my help. Halfrek says, You're talking about work again. Anya says, I'm talking about life. Vengeance is what I do, Halfreck. I don't need anything else. Vengeance is what I am. Vengeance is my hyper focus. <laughs> right? <laughs> so this is so interesting. So so before when we knew Odd, she was Olaf's wife. That was her purpose in life. Now she's fully embraced vengeance demon life. She appears to be in command of herself. She started a revolution. She's obviously a badass demon. And she has somebody who is apparently a friend, right? She's got somebody listening and talking to her, not banishing her to the other side of the river. So she's found herself in this family, just as de Hoffren has said she would. (laughs) we're back oh man this part right here Buffy is telling Xander that she's not the Anya he knew she's a demon Xander says that doesn't mean you have to kill her Buffy says don't act like this is easy for me you know it's not Xander says there are other options (laughs) interesting Xander Buffy says I've considered them Xander says, "Just now, it took you all ten seconds to decide to kill one of your best friends." Buffy says, "The thought that it might come to this has occurred to me before. It's occurred to you too."
1: Whoa, 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 whoa Wait, one of your best friends? A bold
2: statement. I, I've always, I've always wondered about that. Like as I've rewatched this episode and thinking about over the season, like how close were the Scoobies to Anya outside of Xander, as opposed to like tara like if you remember when tara and willow broke up buffy still reached out to tara especially with like her relationship with 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 don like how close were they really to anya outside of xander not at all because as anya's pointed out before the sheer
0: abandonment
2: (laughs) after (laughs)
0: xander left her at the altar like they gave her sympathetic ears but she sought them out right? She caught back from wherever she went, she sought them out, and they listened to her, but what she needed was somebody to empathize with what was going on, and just be like, that was shitty of Xander, but they're all just kind of like, that happened,
1: Mm. hmm. And when you're really friends, to any degree, with your friend's girlfriend or fiance, you do girly stuff together outside of getting ready for her wedding, right? Like, Buffy and Anya never had bonding time, they didn't you know, do their nails or watch a movie in their pajamas together like Buffy and Willow have done in the past, right? It was always like whenever there was a group event where it was all the Scoobies, where Xander and Anya were present, sure. But it was never like Buffy and Anya and Willow hanging out, just the girls. She was never really included in that aspect of their dynamic.
0: And just to add a, a little layer of tragedy onto this, Tara and Anya hung out Tara and Anya, there Mm. were scenes together where they were, like, walking to campus or hanging out at the magic shop together. Or, um, I believe, at the beginning of Season 6, remember, there was a whole... Like, they escaped the forest together. Like, there was a lot of Anya and Tara. And Tara's gone. So, yeah, that's rich of you to say Xander It really is. But he's he's literally reaching for any part of Buffy's sympathy. He's like, she's your best friend! And Buffy's like, excuse you.
2: (laughs) And uh, and also, like, how much of of Xander actually put an effort to help integrate her, to fully integrate her into the group with his friends that are also girls. Like how well did he involve her? Without like without also like belittling some of her, you know, her quirks and things in the process. <laughs> Yeah, well, she wasn't getting anywhere with Willow anyway. No matter what, right. Willow's always
0: been a hard no. Uh, I, I do think Tara was the opening there because not it wasn't Dawn. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> and Dawn found her annoying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Xander says we can change what she did, fix it. These are mystical deaths, right? Here, there has to be something. Willow says she doesn't have that kind of power. I didn't have that kind of power even when like she was bad. I'm guessing uh, she says I don't think I trust the power to do. I do have. Buffy says, it's okay, Xander. I know this is hard for you to hear, but it, but it's what I have to do. Xander says, hard for me to hear? Buffy, you want to kill Anya?
1: Also, Xander's like, we can fix this. So uh, uh, what are you going to do the next time this happens? Are you just going to go around cleaning up all of Anya's messes for the rest of your days, Xander? Like,
2: B- Buffy's giving Anya a lot of, of grace at this point. <laughs> the, that was my point, too, at the end of the scene. I
0: was like, listen, the question I was going to post to you guys is... Should Buffy kill Anya? <laughs> is is she in the right? Maybe let, let's save it for the end of the discussion. And Buffy says, I don't want to kill her. And Xander says, then don't. This isn't new ground for us. When our friends go all crazy and start killing people, we help them. And Buffy says, it's different. Xander says, it's because you don't care about her the same way I do. I love her. And Buffy says, I know. And that's why you can't see this for what it really is. Okay, so Xander's playing the I still love her card, which he's only dropped now after I guess since he got back from jilting her at the at the altar. Uh, my question is, do you guys think? Because this is what I think. I think, yes, I think he still loves her or, or cares about her deeply. He doesn't want to see her die, obviously. But on the other hand of that, I also don't think he wants to carry the guilt of being partly responsible for her going down this path and then ultimately getting getting murdered.
1: Has Xander ever carried guilt for anything, Seth? <laughs>
0: Never. That's I'm saying he doesn't want to because he's already ignored the fact that he's left her at the altar. I,
1: I think you're overthinking. I think you're giving him more credit than we should at this point in terms of his moral development.
0: It's very true. I could be overthinking it. I was just like, what's your angle here? <laughs> I, think he's, I
1: think he's just like, Anya, Buffy kill Anya. I'm still into Anya. Buffy no kill Anya.
0: I should be at work right now. <laughs> <It's funny. laughs>
1: They're just doing vent work satisfying. <laughs> it's
0: vent work. is irrelevant the to him. He doesn't know vents. He knows shelves. So, Puppy <laughs> says, Willow was different. She's a human. Anya's a demon. Uh, what about Faith, you guys? <laughs> Remember Faith? Anyway, Xander says, and you're the slayer. I see now how it's all very simple. And here's another example where Xander's going to start lashing out, you guys. Xander isn't winning the fight. Xander is feeling like he's losing so he's going to start lashing out. So,
1: so, sorry. I think what you need to say is here's where Xander starts being a petty bitch.
0: Once again, <laughs> Xander's petty bitch side comes out his is that right like that self right. Here we go. Bobby mm-hmm. says, "It's never simple." And Xander says, no, of course not. If there was a mass murdering demon that you're, oh, say boning, then it's all gray area. And Buffy says, Spike was harmless. He was helping. Xander says he had no choice. Buffy says, and Anya did. She chose to become a demon twice. And Xander says, you have no idea what she's going through. Buffy says, I don't care what she's going through. Xander says, oh, of course not. You think we haven't seen all this before? The part where you just cut us all out? Step away from everything human and act like you're the law. And then Buffy says, I killed Angel. <laughs> we're talking about it, you guys. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> Zander shuts the fuck up because he's like, "Oh, oh we're on dangerous territory here because I told a fucking lie five years ago and I'm about to be called out for it. No. Lies. Buffy says, do you remember that? I would have given up everything I had to be with him. I loved him more than I will ever love anything in this life. Let me say that again, just just for fun. I loved him more than I will ever love anything in this life. Mm. (laughs) What a sentence. She says, and I put a sword through his heart because I had to. And Willow says, that all worked out okay. And Puffy (laughs) says, remember (laughs) cheering me on, both of you? Do you remember giving me Willow's message? kick his ass will says i never said that xander says it's different
1: (laughs) and this is why i do my best not to lie because you never know when it's going to come back to bite you in the ass five years later right (sighs) so many thoughts
0: so many Mm. thoughts because you just said car it might come back and bite you in the ass i'm joking (laughs) except it doesn't it doesn't bite him in the ass but well, we'll get to that in a second we'll get put that on hold for one hot second hypocrites you're a fucking hypocrite xander okay because of course it's different to you xander because you can Ooh, ooh it's so different to you but i have made a list xander harris of all the times that you brought up that angel should die because he's a demon that's killing people All right. And I'm going to start off the first one. Angel season one. Xander said, and I quote, you have a problem. It's not a small one. Let's take a breath and look at this calmly and objectively. Angel's a vampire. You're a slayer. I think it's obvious what you have to do. And then he smiles. Passion season two. He says, Let's not forget that I hated Angel long before you guys jumped on the bandwagon. So I think I deserve a little something for not saying, I told you so long before now. If Giles wants to go after the fiend that murdered his girlfriend, I say, faster, pussycat, kill, kill. Becoming part one, season two. He says, I'm perspective guy. Angel's a killer. Angel needs to die. Becoming part two. When he jumps in and says, kick his ass. And that is what we are referring to in this conversation right here. Yes, I went to go do my homework because Buffy doesn't say any of that. They let this go. They let it go.
1: Well, that's the whole thing of this show, right? Is everybody yeah. apologizes to, to Xander. Xander never has to apologize to ever to anybody. He never apologizes for bewitched, uh, bothered bewildered he never apologizes for the whole hyena thing he never he, he joked about it with giles afterwards is like don't tell anyone giles right bro code right i did that whole
0: tiktok cara where i listed
1: yes, <laughs> jesus one to three that was just part one Whoa. and part part is coming out follow us on tiktok <laughs> but he, he never apologized for summoning sweet to sunnydale resulting in at least one person dying
0: murder by tap dancing Ooh. <laughs> Ooh okay so and like so the fact that like you're cornered here Xander we fucking got you little rat but what does he do as all rats do he fucking slips behind by saying it's different right and th- for some reason and Will even calls her out he, she says i i never said that that would have been the perfect opportunity for them all to be like, the fuck happened there, Xander. If, if
1: this were a <laughs> real housewives show, right? <sighs> First off, we'd cut to confessional and Xander would just be like, oh no.
2: <laughs> Someone's champagne would have been thrown at somebody by oh, this point, yes. Right? Deliciously so.
0: <laughs> but this is the thing, is like, so so I got really hyped, and that's why I had to like, whoa, remember this and this and this and this so I remember. I don't forget. Um I had to because the conversation didn't go there it was time and they
2: did. it was beyond time and they didn't right. go there and it's frustrating because like all those moments especially with angel like there's clear there's a clear bias from xander a clear bias was from xander as opposed with angel was with anya buffy doesn't want to have to do this but we're at the point now like she's also mass murdering people yeah <laughs> she's got a, she has a job to do and like, she doesn't want to but like she's trying to get him to understand like We're at the point now where I cannot give her any more grace. Mm -hmm. It's going to have something has to be done by now. Yep. That's a great point. Right. She had all those episodes to say something and do
0: something. But she was like, let's just see how this plays out. And now she's waited just like she did with Angel. Right. She couldn't kill him right away either. And here's the case. So it's time, Xander. And this will all play into my question at the end of this scene about, like, what is Buffy doing the right thing? Yeah. So this, this, I mean, I haven't gotten ranty like this in quite a while, but this really grinded my gears. I love it.
1: I love it when you expand (laughs) into your full power. (laughs) Much like Buffy in this season. When I go
0: and find quotes. Because honestly, like, that's what they should have done in this situation. Did
1: research for this. Oh,
0: I had to go back and look through transcripts to be like, here's what they said and why it, it annoys me. That he thinks that this is different. He says it's different. Like he doesn't even feel ashamed. He doesn't even admit it. He'd be like, yeah, I lied and I learned from that. And that's why you shouldn't do what I did. You know, he doesn't even say that. He's just like, it's different because it's me. And I always get my way. So, ooh. ooh. So. Buffy comes in. She says, it's always different. It's always complicated. At some point, someone has to draw the line, and that's always going to be me. You get down on me for cutting myself off, but in the end, the Slayer's always cut off. There's no mystical guidebook, no all-knowing counsel. Human rules don't apply. There's only me. I am the law.
1: Ooh, I got shivers.
0: Lay it down, Buffy. This guy fucking lied to you. Xander says, there has to be another way. (laughs) Why don't you re her, Xander? Buffy says, please find it. Xander leaves. Buffy takes a sword out of the weapon's trunk. She looks at Willow. Willow says, I can't. I'm sorry. As in, like, I can't help you. I can't kill Zanya, whatever. Buffy leaves because she's like, fuck it. I'm always doing this alone, aren't I?
1: So I just want to point one other thing out, which is in addition to how good that conversation is, you know, the caliber of that interaction, it's so intense. The blocking in this scene, is really good. As Xander is railing at Buffy about, you know, how she shouldn't be doing this, there's several shots where Buffy turns and the camera, the audience, and Xander all see those scratch marks, the, you know, the claw marks on the back from the spider demon. You know, she's visibly injured in this scene. And I I think that was a very deliberate choice to reinforce the fact that she's putting her body on the line to fight for good. And although Xander obviously has experience and has risked his own life, at the end of the day, right, Buffy isn't just the Slayer in name, she is the Slayer embodied. Like, this is who she is, down to the fact that she has the scars and the scratches and the cuts to prove it. And her showing her back to Xander like that, I think, is supposed to be that very very tangible reminder of the skin she has in this game
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and i do think buffy handled herself really well here she could have went off again she should have she i went off for her she should have laid everything out but she didn't she gave grace to xander she said this is how it is all right i don't like go like i'll give you a head start (laughs) you know you go go find go find help but um you know, like, I like that she lays down the law that, like, as Kara's saying, like, she's in herself to do this right now. And the one flaw in Buffy's argument, I think, comes in the form of Spike. Like, first off, Xander, fuck you. you I hate, like, you, if you're a good friend, you would never throw this in your friend's face. You know what I mean? Like, just just stick to Anya. Don't bring Buffy's shit into this. Number one. But as he did bring it up, I was like, mm, there really is no good explanation for why they didn't dust Spike. You know, you and I were saying that for seasons, car. We're like, Spike should have been dusted. So I think that if we were to examine this conversation, if, if the Scoobies were to really get into it, the justification for keeping Spike alive would have fallen apart. He shouldn't have brought it up, but I get why he did, because I think that is the area where Buffy would have been weakest in the conversation. But that being said... I love that she leaves and she's like, I'm going to fucking take this shit on because I'm the slayer. And as much as Xander seems to not understand, because he brought it up, right? Oh, you just you cut off your humanity and you act like you're the law. Well, she is the law. All right. <laughs> so she's going to go take care of shit.
2: Get used to it.
1: Ricky, what do you think? Do you think Buffy has made the right call here?
2: If I'm very conflicted because I don't want to hurt. Like like, like she said, Like I don't want to... But we're at an impasse here. Like this, something's got to be done here. And if she's going to continue on this path, it's my job to do something about it. And so I completely understand where Buffy's coming from. And also, like I understand, like the the flaw with mentioning Spike, but that also seems to be like a a go to line for Xander to bring up Spike or bring up Angel and the fact that she's had relationships with these guys that vampires and i need you to find another another insult <laughs> xander <laughs> a new angle xander that one's tired so
1: it's very fascinating because i went into this episode thinking i was going to condemn buffy uh, i came to bury buffy not to praise her i thought buffy as you pointed out steph is being very inconsistent here She's cut Spike and Willow and even Xander slack before, right? Um, Giles, you know, the whole Igon stuff. Like, if Buffy likes you, you get a pass. If Buffy doesn't like you, you go to jail like Faith, right? Or end up in a coma or whatever. Like, there is an element of that to Buffy's life. And we've talked a lot about that. So I was ready to be harsh on Buffy, But actually watching the episode again, watching this scene unfold, it changed my mind. I I changed my mind on the spot as I was watching this and thinking about how I felt. Buffy is very convincing. And here's why. Basically, the speech that Buffy gives here, her whole argument with Xander, it represents um, an interesting evolution, perhaps you might even call it a leveling up, of her philosophy about being a slayer and the morality, the code that she has to follow as a Slayer. And I think what makes this decision so different from earlier seasons is Buffy was a baby, right? She was, what, like 17 when she killed Angel? You know, and and it may feel like it's, oh, it's not that many years ago. But she was so new to being a Slayer. You know, I think back to season two and how, Uh, Angelus and Spike and Drusilla—they were this little gang that were like for for the first part of the season, uh, especially when it was just Spike and Drew—they were a thorn in Buffy's side, and she never killed them. But part of that was because she didn't have the power to do that yet. Yes, she was the vampire slayer and she could slay individual vampires, but back in seasons one and two, and you know even for parts of season three killing vampires was still like a a hard thing for Buffy. Um, She was still coming into her power. And as the years have gone by and she has dealt with at this point, how many apocalypses (laughs) I've lost count. Buffy has saved the world so many times and she has come into her power as the slayer. She has thrown off the yoke of the watchers council, right? Like she rose up and she said, I'm not going to take your orders anymore. So Buffy is in a very different place from when she had to make that decision to kill Angel. And that was the start of it, right? You could even argue that it goes back to her deciding to go through with sacrificing herself and Prophecy Girl. Wherever you pinpoint the genesis of you know, Buffy as the slayer is the law, it isn't a decision that she's taken on lightly, and it's not something that she started from that position it's something that has evolved so when we talk about consistency and we, you know if we are going to criticize buffy for being inconsistent which i think is a valid criticism i also think it's worth bearing in mind that as the years have gone by you know like anybody buffy's point of view her sp- perspective and her morality has changed as she's grown as the slayer so would buffy have made the decision to kill anya back in season two or season three? Probably not, because at that point in time, a vengeance demon of Anya's caliber would be too powerful for Buffy. We saw that with The Wish, right? Buffy barely managed to defeat Anya, and it was mainly Giles who figured it out. Um, But Giles isn't here anymore. Dad's gone, and Buffy's in charge. And so she has to make the hard decisions because Giles can't, and that's what we're seeing in this scene. So I did not expect to say this but I am firmly on Buffy's side here. I don't think it's about making the right or wrong decision. It's not about right or wrong. Buffy recognizes that she is the one who is responsible to make a decision and she has made her decision and I think she has earned that right to make this decision based on everything she has done in the past years, based on all the time she saved the world. If there's anybody who has the moral authority to say, I need to stop Anya from killing people, it's Buffy.
0: Not according to Xander.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, well said, Kara. I think for me, it's that one line that Buffy says, Anya had a choice. She d- she chose to become a demon twice, right? I think she said it all with that. Uh, I'll also add on to what you just said, Kara, before we move on. Buffy's killed less. <laughs> like, he, like Buffy's... she literally sacrificed herself two seasons ago. Um, She's killed her boyfriend. She was about to kill Willow. Like we were talking about it back in same time, same place. We're like, Buffy's actually thinking if Willow's evil again, I might have to fucking step in. (laughs) So like she's been here before for people who mean more to her. And just also, just to add in that she said that you know she's will never love anyone as much as she loves Angel. So that's
2: well, she already <laughs> went past this in season two. So you can you can appreciate like she doesn't take this lightly. Like she's yeah, it's it's not an easy decision for her, but it's the responsibility of her being the slayer like she has to just keep that in mind
0: yeah xander after fucking seven years of hanging out with her you don't know this yet it's by this point <laughs> ooh. so buffy leaves willow gets an idea and she goes to her room she takes out her to talisman that he gave her in season four she also pours sand all over the bathroom tile Kara, you know notice- red sand yeah, again It wasn't on the carpet <laughs> as Buffy did, it was on the tile, which is much nicer. Uh, she does a spell to conjure DeHoffren. And hold up is what I said in my notes Till we read it. I thought that they purged all of Willow's magic's stuff in season six right when she was trying to detox uh so do they just give it all back to her or did she just keep this just in case like you know it's it. just a little a little thing i noticed De hofren shows up and the room goes dark and he's like behold De Hoffren, lord of arashmaha he- <laughs> i will say
1: you don't say the room is dead
0: <laughs> <laughs> he then turned the air to blood and rains and then he's like oh miss rosenberg how lovely to see you again so he, go- he becomes all casual again uh he says i figured i'd be hearing." from you soon the flaying of Warren and mirrors truly inspired that was water cooler vengeance lloyd has a sketch of it on his wall okay. i love the chit chat <laughs> <laughs> so again we're talking about corporate structure like the fact that they're <laughs> like it's whoever lloyd is clearly like talked about it with his colleagues and then i went think and drew the it. implication
1: is that lloyd is the cave demon who did the reverse suck job on
0: Spike. oh really wow <laughs> remember
1: when Mike goes to Africa. Yeah. Africa. And goes into Lloyd, into the demon's cave, right? And we see on the wall the depictions of somebody skinning a human.
0: Wow. Kara. Wow. I would never, I literally was like, Lloyd is just a random vengeance demon (laughs) that is a fan of Willow's. Um, So. willow says that's not me anymore to says is that right so i didn't feel your presence earlier today i didn't feel a bit of the old you and willow says we need to talk about anya dover's like ah, that's very well let's talk about anyanka so we cut to anya at the frat house xander finds her there he's like have you forced yourself to look at the bodies yet xander what a way to open all right um also why has no one discovered these bodies yet there's, like, 12 dead Mitches and a dead Mitch in the forest. Also, what did that Mitch do? Did he, like... <laughs> we never talked about this. Did he, the like... Wrong Mitch or the
1: wrong Mitch in the wrong Mitch place.
2: Is this the girl still hiding in there, too? Where's she at?
1: Did she not report
2: this? Well, uh, like, to, Or she's just like, I'm just
0: going to pretend I wasn't here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that Mitch in the forest, was he, like, an escapee?
2: <laughs> like, was he at the party earlier that night? And then <laughs> the spider is on yeah, a vendetta? He- he had an early class the next day. That's why he went home early. <laughs> so anyway, Anya says,
0: what do you want? Xander's like, she, he's here to help her. Anya's like, everyone's so considerate today. I should have slaughtered people weeks ago. And Xander's like, I'm sorry for everything I did to you, everything I put you through. And I love this for Anya who says, thank you. All better. Thank goodness you got here in time. <laughs> like she's like, she's like almost like losing her mind. <laughs> like I was earlier. She's like, are you fucking serious? So... Xander says, uh, this isn't an intervention. Buffy's coming to kill you. Anya says she's coming to try. Xander says, your friends, how can you talk like this? Anya's like, I have a job to do and so does Buffy. You've always seen what you wanted to. But she knew sooner or later it would come to this. Buffy is behind Xander and she's like, get out of the way, Xander. And Xander's like, no. And Anya's like, get out of the way, Xander. And she punches him down to the ground because she's a demon face now. She ends up hitting Buffy so hard Shouldn't that you she flies. should you be doing
1: your Anyanka voice now? Oh,
0: but she never had her Anyanka voice during this, which is too bad. Uh, but yeah, she would have been like, get out of the way, Xander. <laughs> so Anya says this is the beginning to be a pattern with you Buffy (laughs) are there friends of yours left that you haven't tried to kill and they start to fight Anya's like you don't have a clever retort for me they fight more Anya's without her weapon Uh, Buffy has her sword Anya has the upper hand in this fight, like most of it, right? She kicks Buffy against a wall at one point. Buffy's like, Anya, I'm sorry. And Anya's like, you're apologizing to me? What fight are you watching? Or is this one of your little pop culture references I don't get because I'm a vengeance? But then Buffy throws her against the wall and stabs her through the chest.
1: (gasps) There's so much symbolism here calling back to Buffy fighting Angel, right? Mm. Because Buffy also fought Angel with a sword and she also... Pinned Angel in this case against the statue of a Akathala and ran him through the chest right so like this is mirroring Buffy killing Angel
0: yeah And that's why I'm saying it's easier this time around. She's like, this is like nothing compared to that. Uh, There's no making out. There's no tears. Also the jab that Anya does here, right? Your clippy little remarks that I don't get. Like they came really easily to her. Clearly she's thought this before. And it reminded me of something Mm. that Willow did when she was dark Willow back in uh, the end of season six, where she was just like, someone really needs to kick your ass. Like to, to Buffy, like those things were like ready to go. So you know, I, I think it's just interesting how these demons just, they use their real feelings and it just comes to the surface when they're fighting.
1: Those who are closest to us know how to hurt us the most.
0: Exactly. are they hold the most resentment yeah. sometimes.
1: Cut to Xander asleep in an apartment chair saying, just want happy ending. And Anya is next to him and she looks different. She's got long blonde hair and she says, was that weird? The the thing earlier with the singing and the coconuts, Xander says, "No, it's fine." Uh, And then we hear outside a man and a woman singing about getting mustard out of their clothes. So Steph, Ricky, uh, this is a flashback to once more with feeling.
2: They got the mustard (laughs) out. That's one of my favorite little. Mustard out. Um, that's one of my favorites. (laughs) Are we sure it's not
0: listening to fear? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, so my question to you, again, I have questions. Anya's hair wasn't that long in that episode, no, it was, right? It was
2: curly, like 50s style.
1: Yeah, but it's like just long blonde hair. Like, it's a bad wig in this episode.
2: <laughs> it's like platinum blonde.
1: Um. Anyway, so Anya goes to shut the window, and then she breaks out into a song that must have happened back then, and we didn't hear it until now. We
0: kept saying, yeah, there were so many songs that happened behind the scenes in that episode that we never were privy to <laughs> like the one about Matt.
1: she's singing all about her love for xander and how excited she is to marry him and be his missus right she's saying mr xander harris that's what he is to the world outside you know and she's like i'm just lately anya not very much the world i know all these years with nothing to show I'm the Mrs. I will be his Mrs. Mrs. Anya, Christina, Emanuela Jenkins, Harris. I love all her middle names. <laughs> uh, and, you know, she's going on and on about how much she loves to be with Xander. And it's, it's very devotional. And this is a weird ass scene. Like... For, for yeah. the for writers to decide in this episode of all episodes of season seven to say, let's have a flashback to the musical episode and have Anya sing as a number. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's ambitious as as the musical episode was. This was ambitious to stick into this episode, because as we said at the beginning, a lot is going on in this episode. Right. So to have this mm-hmm. up- musical number as part of it i i think it's a little bit out of place i'm not saying i don't like to see it because anya was a breakout star <laughs> of that episode and they wanted to showcase her talent again i suppose
2: but like it's, it's a lot i want to like you could essentially like trade out uh xander's name for olaf in this song uh just the the the, the devotion this i'm like this is me i'm going to be mrs xander harris i'm mean, gonna mrs olaf it's very uh, sad to think about. Actually,
0: that's a really good point. It's oh. a really good point because I, I wanted to say in this scene that the the three personalities are really coming out in Anya. Where the first two, the, the, the first and the last, are not that dissimilar, right? That's that's what you're pointing mm-hmm. out here. Like she was all about being the wife of Olaf. Then she was a vengeance demon, like 100. percent Then she went back to being all about Xander's girlfriend, fiance, bride, and now she's gone back to vengeance, but she can't really get into it this time but it's it's showing that pattern mm-hmm. yeah anything else about the scene <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> it's just there <laughs> and she wears her wedding dress at the end the same one from Hells Bells I also just want to add that it's really funny that in the musical episode, remember Anya was really sad that she didn't have a breakaway pop hit, that hers was more of um, a Broadway, like (laughs) a Broadway standard kind of, uh, kind of number. And this one is also that, you know, like she also didn't get her breakaway pop song. So Cold shot to Anya, apparently dead against the wall. Xander wakes up and he's like, Anya, but swords don't kill vengeance demons, okay? We learned that in Older and Far Away. So Anya Mm -hmm. wakes up and she says, I'd forgotten how much swords through the chest hurt. She pulls the sword out of her and she says, you know better than that, Buffy. Takes a lot more to kill a vengeance demon. Buffy says, I'm just getting started. And I also want to add that I think that this was also Buffy giving her a little bit more mercy, I think that that was her literally being like, I know that's not going to kill you, but maybe it'll, you know, some- knock sense into you or something, right? That's just my hopeful thinking. So Anya attacks Buffy with the sword now. Buffy ends up getting it back and she's about to slay Anya. I, su- I assume stab her again, even though I thought the only way to defeat them was to break their talisman. Am I wrong? I don't know.
1: Yeah, her power center and her amulet. I don't. I don't really know what Buffy's play was here and we don't really get to find out. No.
0: So Xander tackles Buffy, how dare. Uh and Anya s- says stop trying to save me, Xander. That's when Dahofern shows up at- with lightning.
1: So, here's my question. Did Anya want Buffy to kill her?
2: Yes. I believe so.
1: Yeah. That that makes the most sense to me here. Like she's putting up the fight because she has to. Um she and, you know, he has to earn this, but I, maybe she's conflicted. But I think that deep down, on is like, this is my way out.
0: As you said very aptly earlier, Kara, that there's a lot of symmetry between what happened with Angel. It's becoming part two and what's happening now with Anya. I see that in Anya trying to get Buffy to kill her. Again, everyone's just making Buffy do the work for them, right? <laughs> Buffy's got to do it all. But um, I think this is just like Angel in Angel season one. Remember he was like with the crossbow. He's like, do it, kill me. And it's like, it's because he wanted to die. I, mm-hmm. I think it's similar with Anya here. I think she's literally like, I don't know who the fuck I, I don't, like, what am I doing anymore? And that's really dark and sad. Also, I want to add really quickly, um, something I thought about earlier while you were talking, Kara, was that, like, is Anya as big of a threat as Angel? And I was like, no, because Angel was going to destroy the world, and that's why Buffy may, might be going a little overboard with having to kill Anya, not, like, talking to her instead. Um, but then I realized, I was like, no, Anya literally changed the world with a wish that one time in the wish Mm
1: -hmm. anya is possibly the most powerful character we've met so far in the buffy right i'm just saying so
0: like let's so the fact that buffy's not going for the talisman because that is her power source (laughs) yikes so anyway De hofren shows up he's like oh please don't mind me continue whatever it is you're doing
1: (laughs) i love De hofren you said earlier like you know your favorite joke and this is my favorite joke of the episode is is Everything Toffrin to says in this little part of the scene. Yeah. Just
0: like, so he yeah. like wanders over to the room with dead bodies. He's like, breathtaking. It's like somebody slaughtered an Abercrombie and Fitch catalog.
1: <laughs> I died.
0: <laughs> Buffy, and I love that he knows what. Abercrombie and Fitches. Like, like like DeHofford just knows like he's just Hashtag, of the world. see Sunnydale so white. <laughs> um, Buffy holds up the sword and he's like easy now I'd be gone before you could swing. Isn't that just like a slayer solving all her problems by sticking things with sharp objects. I talked to your friend Miss Rosenberg. She's a firebrand. I have high hopes for her. Xander's like stay away from Willow. DeHofford's like oh he's gallant isn't he? <laughs> He's like, I understand what you saw in him. (laughs) Miss Rosenberg seems to think Anyanka would be better suited outside the vengeance fold. I think we already know what Lady Hacksaway wants and the young man sees with the eyeballs of love, but I'm not sure if anyone's bothered to find out what Anyanka herself wants.
1: (laughs) Can we pause for a moment to appreciate Lady Hacksaway? (laughs) (laughs) Like the amount of shade that DeHofford is throwing in Buffy's direction right now Effortlessly. Like, that's not even the point of this conversation. <laughs> Lady Hacksaway is my new favorite nickname for puppy because it is true.
0: As, and as I think that De Hoffren lives outside time, I think that he took his time to be like, okay, who's in the situation? What are my insults? Like, what, like what's, what's my, what are my lines?
1: You think he has an intern who does the joke writing for him?
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. If he's CEO of this company, he's got a communications okay. person writing Jeff, his
1: speech. Jeff, give me some good material <laughs> for it's this. It's
0: Lloyd. It's Lloyd.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when he's not busy restoring vampire souls and fighting duels sort duels of to the death, he's just like, I will give you back your humor. <laughs> well,
0: remember we said to Lloyd, we're like, Lloyd only had one challenge for Spike. And then he's like, this is interesting. Let's just keep it going. Like, he, like I've got more challenges for this guy. And like, the office pool of Vengeance Demons was like, probably writing in, like, get him to do this next. Give him the book. <laughs> So funny. All right. Xander says uh, her name is Anya and Dauphin's like, well, funny historical sidebar. And he's about to tell them her original name. Anya says, I want to take it back. I want to undo what I did.
1: History with Dauphin. Oh, amazing. (laughs) So I I just I need to offer up a trans perspective and reading here, which is. One of the signs that de Hoffren is actually not a good guy and quite an abusive boss is the fact that he keeps dead naming Anya. Like, yeah, her her name used to be odd and then he gave her the name Anyanka and he said, no, this is who you are. And, and she embraced that identity for a time. She's now, she had surrendered that identity and she chose the name Anya for her. And throughout this series, every time de Hoffren has interacted with her or referenced her, He's never used her chosen name of Anya. He always calls her Anyanka because he refuses to give up his power over Mm -hmm. her and he refuses to see her as the person that she chose to be. And I think that is incredibly disrespectful. And it is a one of the largest signs that he's not actually this, you know, funny empowering boss vengeance demon guy no he's he is manipulating her and controlling her and he's actually enraged that she slipped out of his grasp for a couple of years to become anya he's like no you're on i made you and i'm gonna keep calling you that until you come back to me
0: often leaders are charismatic and i find that that's what he's doing here it's like just because we like him doesn't mean he's a good person or a demon, I guess, in this case. And that's often what happens. I find it against celebrities. You know, people are, like, defending celebrities that do wrong because they're like, my idea of him is that he's a funny, nice guy. And then it's like, yeah, but he's also abusive. He can be both. Both things can be true, (laughs) you know? I'm talking about Johnny Depp. (laughs)
1: I was about to say that a little bit, like, do I bring that up on the podcast? Do we want to open that can of worms? I'm glad that the, you and I haven't
0: said page The stuff. can is open. We've we never discussed it. <laughs> but, like, I just shot in the dark. I just knew you'd agree with me, Kara. And Ricky as well.
1: We should go on <laughs> Family Feud.
0: Oh. <sighs> we would kill it. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> All right. So, um, DeHoffren is, like, you want to take it back. Must be twelve bodies in there. Such a thing not easily done, but not impossible. You're a big girl, Anyanka. You understand how this works. Proverbial scales must balance. In order to restore the lives of the victims, the fates require a sacrifice. The life and soul of a vengeance demon.
1: Okay, is he just bullshitting her right now? Like we have no idea if De Hofford's telling the truth.
0: <laughs> I love the idea of balance because it's also a very feng shui thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say he's telling the truth. He got very serious right? Anya's like, I do like, do it. Xander's like, wait. And Anya's like, stay out of it, Xander." And Xander says, uh, you just said you'd die. Perhaps there's some sort of alternate price.
1: Just seven easy payments of $99.99.
0: <laughs> well, Bobby could have jumped in right now and been like, why'd you need me to kill you at all then? Just ask like, get your boss to do it. Why am I doing everyone's work? <laughs> so Anya says, Zander, you can't help me. I'm not even sure there's a me to help. I understand the price. Do it. To Hoffren says, You're sure. This is your wish. And Anya's like, this is my wish. Undo what I did. Dahuffrin's like, very well. He claps his hands. Xander's like, no. But Halfrak appears, smiling. Oh man. She's like, Anya. Anya's like, Hallie. To Hoffren glares at Halfrak, who screams, and suddenly she lights like lights and fire come out of her body and she dies. She
1: disappears. <gasps> It. The, the anguish step. Wow. <laughs> you think someone <laughs> still angel again?
2: I
0: haven't felt this since we lost poor sweet drag in season five.
1: <laughs> R.I.P. drag.
0: Oh, like I loved Halfreck. <laughs> I I just thought she was great. And the fact that that she essentially, like metaphorically, got fired because Anya quit is is ridiculous. <laughs>
1: I mean, this is retaliation, right? Like... Oh, honestly. This is
0: retaliation. Absolutely. Oh, that sucks. So Anya's crying. Hoffman says, who did you think you were dealing with? Did you think it would be that easy to get away? Anya's like, why? He's like, why? Because you wished it. And Anya's like, but she was yours. Hoffman says, the way you were mine? Haven't I taught you anything, Anya? Never go for the kill when you can go for the pain. Ooh. Sanders. Makes a move toward him. To Hoffren's like, hold him back, Slayer. Wouldn't want anyone to get hurt. He says, I've got plenty of girls and Lloyd. <laughs> there will always be vengeance demons. But now you, Anya, you're out. Congratulations. Your wish is granted. Anya's crying. She's like, you should have killed me. To Hoffren scoffs. He's like, I wouldn't worry about that. From beneath you, it devours. Be patient. All good things in time. He leaves. Anya looks at Buffy and Xander, then leaves. Buffy's like, go, Xander, go. I'll check on the boys. I'll clean up the fucking mess. Go. Is
2: anyone going to check on that Asian girl? (laughs) Is anyone... Gonna check where is on she? Her. Honestly, these tell time she's still stuck in that closet. So
1: does she remember what happened? Because the everything got reversed, right? Like the Mitches are alive again. Yeah. Are they just gonna go on humiliating her? Like what's going? Well, on? like
0: when I guess when like they when Cordelia's wish was like destroyed, no one remembered a thing. But I guess everyone's gonna remember except for the boys. I don't know. Also, do you think that applied to the guy in the forest, <laughs> or was he it's a one off <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All right. Last scene outside. Xander catches up to Anya, who's like, "Please just go away." He says, "Whatever's between us, it doesn't matter. You should not be alone in this." Anya's like, "Yes, I should. My whole life, I've just clung to whatever came along." Xander's like, speaking as a clingy. I kind of didn't mind. Anya's like, "Thanks for everything." <laughs> <laughs> Th- thanks
2: for for, for what? what for? <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: What? I mean, I think the sex was good, right?
2: I mean, uh, according to yes, sure, I guess. Compared to <laughs> Olaf, anything would be okay. You uh, <laughs> want to spell like blood and must. <laughs> <laughs> and various
0: meats and fruits. Um, so, 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 uh, so, anyway, Xander gets a thank you for some reason. He starts walking away. She's like, Xander, what if I'm really nobody? Xander says, "Don't be a dope." She's like, "I'm a dope." He says, "Sometimes." So then she's like, that's a start. He sighs, he walks away. Anya watches him go, then she goes her own way. Uh fate black.
2: <laughs>
0: okay, so okay. <laughs> that's the end. You see
1: what I mean? Like, this is a, a weird episode. It's complicated. I got all these feelings.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm sad that Halfreck died. Of course. R.I.P. Halfric. I think Buffy should have killed Anya, to be honest. <laughs> I think that was think her it, giving her some some more grace.
0: <laughs> yeah, all I can say at the end of this is, like, Anya, clearly, she was right, right? She She's just true. She clung to whatever came along, right? A man, a de Hoffren, and then another man. So mm-hmm. I am curious to see where she'll go from here, how she fits into everything now that she's just a straight-up human now with no job and a big apartment.
2: <laughs> no magic shop. <laughs> no capitalism. Who's your hero, everybody?
1: I'm going to go Buffy. Because, as you pointed out, Steph, she has to clean up everybody's messes. She also has to put up with a lot from Xander in this episode. Yeah,
2: yeah I have to say Buffy Buffy, and Willow. Um, Willow, because I liked seeing her kind of get back to the things that she enjoys, which is education and learning. And kind of, for the most part, keeping a level head when it came to um, finding the, the 12 Mitches <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Good grief and being able to like rein in her power a little bit while she was dealing with the spider but also Buffy because you know and Buffy.
1: rein in her vengeance on Xander when he reveals that he's been lying this entire yeah, time right. he, he literally says.
2: should
0: have said what I said and been like excuse you <laughs> like you said what to Buffy when I was going out of my way to channel dark magics to get this <laughs> right. role back Ooh. Anyway, that was what Willow should have said. Uh, Good choices, everybody. I also chose Willow. I'll throw in Buffy, too, because I love my Buffy. But my reason for Willow was because I was actually very impressed with her when she put up her boundaries. Like, I think Buffy looked at her and was like, are you coming or are you going to say anything? And she was like, no, I can't. And I think because earlier she showed the power, right? And then she snapped at that girl, uh, that Asian girl, poor thing. And then she felt bad about it. And I think that kind of kept her in check. She's like, I don't want to push anything more but then she still went out of her way to channel de hoffron and she helped on that end you know so i think her having the boundary there was nice to see so she's my hero for that, that episode
1: all right we have two hot stakes for this episode all both about this episode actually which is kind of fun love love uh, love first love. one is from one of our chosen ones lauren uh she says i feel like de Hoffren's the demonic equivalent of a pimp Instead of collecting women to make him money through sex work, he collects women whom he uses to create destruction on humanity. Dauphrine preys upon emotionally distressed, most likely isolated women. He makes them feel special and empowered by acting impressed and congratulating them for the vengeance they dished on deserving humans who wronged them. He gives them an outlet for their rage and convinces them that becoming a vengeance demon is a worthy profession and life purpose. I'm both impressed by his giant enterprise and disgusted by how he takes women in their most vulnerable states and manipulates them into enacting his demonic bidding. D'Hoffrin De calls it vengeance, but he sells it as justice. He's created many demons that believe they are above the law and are doing right by the scorned. They enact evil, but don't seem to realize that they are evil.
0: Mm, well said, Lauren. I really like how she phrased it. That she's impressed with the enterprise and disgusted by the way he treats women, which is exactly what we were saying. Yeah, is you, our problem. You can't with them. help
1: but give De Hoffern props here. Like he mm-hmm. is really good at his job. Um, arguably, he's even better than the mayor at it. Well, right? he's been doing he's it longer. Definitely yes. better than the master with all those candles. Like the ma- and the master didn't know how to motivate his underlings.
0: De Hoffren (laughs) deserves respect. (laughs) We don't have to like what he's doing. We can condemn him for it, but he does it well, and I will never say he doesn't. Thanks, Lauren. We have another hot steak from Isabel on De Hoffren and Souls. She says... When Anya makes the deal with De Hoffren to undo the murders of the frat boys, De Hoffren states that the price is the life and soul of a vengeance demon. This implies that both Halfrek and Anya have always had a soul, and all of her work as a vengeance demon has been done in spite of this. I have always found Anya's back and forth between human and demon intriguing, as it is different from the main example we see of human to demon transition— which are vampires. Vampires seem to undergo a complete personality overhaul, while Anya appears to simply gain powers and have a job to do, based on a talent she always possessed. When she became a human again, she shows no regret, unlike Angel, so it seems like it's just her powers she has lost and she then needs to get them back. As she lives life as a human, she obviously learns the value of making connections, etc., which is great.
1: I like this hot steak because earlier in, like earlier Caesars, we were discussing does Anya have a soul do vengeance demons have souls and because I have not watched season seven as much as I've rewatched the rest of the show I didn't remember uh this whole part of Anya's journey obviously I remembered the broad strokes but I didn't remember that this episode basically confirms that vengeance demons have souls so I was wrong I stand corrected uh and I appreciate Isabel kind of encapsulating that in this hot steak comparing them with vampires where You know, those are some really good points. I mean, partly it's the show just never really establishes that consistent lore around souls. They kind of seem to change to be whatever the writers need souls to be in that moment, um, in that episode. But yeah, I, I think this is an interesting point is that unlike other demons that we've seen in this series, vengeance demons, like so far, we've only seen vengeance demons as former humans like Anya and Halfrek. I know in Big Bad, the AU alternate universe novel by Lily Anderson, uh, she established that Vengeance demons could be recruited from like other demons, like beings from other dimensions, could also become vengeance demons. Which I think is an interesting idea that it's like a vocation. You know, you're not transformed into a demon when you become a vengeance demon. It's just kind of like a mantle that's put upon you.
0: Yeah, that like lends to the idea of it being a job or
2: a corporation, right? It's like you get benefits Mm -hmm. when you work here. (laughs) I always wonder if do they really consider going back to the first hot steak. um, Do they really consider it as justice? I guess. I guess the vengeance demons themselves, like Anya and Helfrich might consider it as justice. But it feels very clear to me for the Hoffren, it's purely for the chaos. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point too, right? Because
0: we saw the personality of Anya um, when she was a demon, right? She was all about it. She's like vengeance for the women, for the women and like, you know, doing what I can to make the world better this way. And then people say like, oh, Anya didn't feel bad when she was a human, she didn't suffer the way Angel did. And it's like, because she genuinely believed that she was doing the right thing. And that's what so right. many villains do, right? They all like, the, villains never think they're the villain. <laughs> they're like, no, I'm the person of the right here.
1: We saw that with halfrek in Older and Far Away, right? She's like, oh, you know, look at all these poor kids and they're so like neglected and I'm helping them, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, it's that conviction of purpose. Mm-hmm. And if not, morality than maybe just a sense of a morality right as an amoral being it's not about right or wrong it's just like i have the power to fix this that's kind of what we're seeing from buffy in this season this idea that she's she's transcending the basics of is this a right thing or a wrong thing to do and saying right or wrong i have to take this action because that is what's incumbent upon me as the slayer
0: yeah and just because this was anya's centric episode i'm gonna add that i really like seeing that character arc for anya not just in this episode which is good but overall right we're we're seeing that her time as a human did in fact have an impact on her the fact that she couldn't just jump right into vengeance which is what she always believed was the right thing clearly being around Buffy, being around the Scoobies showed her another way. Showed her the, the other side of it. And uh, she learned something. So that's more than I can say for
2: fucking Xander Harris. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Any other thoughts on this episode?
2: Can I say that there... I didn't get a chance to mention this earlier, but after... When you cut from the scene from her singing, her her deep cut from the musical, and you get like to the scene of her just being like, stabbed in the chest. Did you ever feel, like, did you get, like, immediate, like, feeling of sadness? Like, oh my gosh, this is super duper sad before realizing that she's, like, oh, uh, she's still alive. Like, uh, that always still shocks me whenever I see it. I'm like, I know she's not dead yet, but that that scene is very jarring to see that's a
0: classic move for the show remember in the body Mm -hmm. they'd always show some sort of scene and then they cut to the body and it was silent and still and shocking and they they've borrowed that concept and used it for that that scene and it's very yeah jump
1: scares yeah yeah it's, it's
0: very and it is very impactful
1: all right well thank you ricky so much for joining us on this journey yeah Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Where can people find you if they want more Ricky Zed?
2: (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Well, you can find me on TikTok at Ricky. That's R-I-C-K-E-Y underscore Z-T-V. And then all my socials for like Instagram and X are... Ricky Z underscore social and then um also if you ever have a chance to check out one of the podcasts that i manage is called scream kings and uh it's all things horror thanks ricky for joining us so fun yay thank you
1: thank you to all of our supporters on buy me a coffee especially our chosen ones holly kayla jordan julian nicola luis joshua reese susanna jasmine Christy, Kimmy, and Lauren.
0: Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, Tasha, Ricky, Amy, (laughs) Amy, Rochelle, Laura, and Bahia. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Ricky. We will see you all next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head on over to buymeacoffee.com prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options.
1: You can also visit prophecygirls.ca slash store to view all of our merch and rep the podcast on a sweatshirt, mug, sticker, or more.
0: We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week.
1: We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels.
0: Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook and Prophecy underscore
1: Girls on Twitter. You can also email us at Podcast at gmail.com Or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord.
0: Praise Moloch!
1: See you next week!